0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Prosper Project. Today, we're going to kind of continue the conversation that I started last week with Chris Eccleston of Delmarva Builders, talking about how he built not only a personal brand, but a brand for his company, and is on his way to trying to uplift and elevate the brand for the construction trades today my guest is his co-author jenny kirsch rowan and jenny has a really fascinating story as well she grew up as the middle child of three sisters in a creative close-knit family in northern kentucky right over the border from cincinnati ohio Jenny attended the University of Kentucky and went on to explore the world while practicing graphic design and travel blogging with her two sisters. Deciding that life was not wild enough, she reconnected with and then married a widowed college friend with four young children. She moved cross country from California to reside in Salisbury, Maryland with her new family. It was there in 2019 that she was hired by Chris Eccleston as the creative director for Delmarva Veteran Builders, a commercial construction firm that I talked a lot about on the last episode. In 2020, Jenny won a Marcom Award, an international creative competition for developing the company's ad campaign that kind of debuted the new tagline, Grit Leads to Greatness. Extensive research regarding the power of grit and Jenny's firsthand view of the workforce shortage inspired her to co-write the dystopian children's book, Grit Leads to Greatness, a nod to her own children through persevering through tough times while demonstrating to all people the vital impact construction trades have on the world. So welcome, Jenny, to the podcast today. I'm so excited to have you here with us. Hi, Lorraine. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here too. Good, good. So let's start with the obvious part. So last week, I interviewed Chris Eccleston, who founded Delmarva Veteran Builders on the podcast. We talked about what led him to start the company, but can you tell us a little bit about your career, maybe your personal trajectory as well that landed you inside of Delmarva?
1: Yeah, sure. So right now I call myself the creative developer of Del Mara Veteran Builders. I kind of made that up myself because I actually am a graphic designer by trade. But we also do a lot of social media, and they also want me to be a marketer. And it's kind of funny when I was first hired here, they were like, "You do marketing, right?" And I was like, "Actually, I'm a graphic designer. Marketing's a different, a different field, but I can stumble my way through marketing." So it's always a joke. Like I'm not the marketing's not my strongest skill. And so yeah, so I call myself a creative developer because we try to think outside of the box and do some fresh ideas here at DVB. So I've been here around four and a half years now. My story's kind of a long one. I you know Chris mentioned he'd grown up in Salisbury, had gone on to the military, but yeah, I'm not from Salisbury. I never had heard of this town before. <laughs> yes, it was an obscure area of the East Coast that I really had never visited before. And so, yeah, so I, I ended up here as a long journey to get here, but also- Wait, wait, time. though. You are an Ohio girl, though, like I am. And that's another confusing thing is that I <laughs> am from Northern Kentucky slash Cincinnati, Ohio. So, oh yeah, it, you know, right. I grew up right in Covington area. It's called, it's right across the river from Cincinnati. I can even see like downtown Cincinnati. And it's confusing because the airport, if you ever fly into Cincinnati, it's actually in Northern Kentucky. So it's like, <laughs> people, sometimes people can't. Get the idea of like two states bordering each other. It's just, it blows people's minds. <laughs> but I'm like, it's pretty simple. They're right next to each other. So I kind of have that kind of Midwestern accent. I say, like, right maybe 20 minutes south of me in Kentucky is where it really starts to get that more southern draw of an accent. So it's a really fine line that happens right south of me. So I grew up in northern Kentucky. And so I, I'm the middle of two sisters. We're very close, uh, very close in age, very close family. And my parents were all, we always called ourselves the Brady Bunch because we were just like that fam- Family That just always got along and had a great time. So I grew up with really like strong family values and a lot of creativity. My dad was really into art and just kind of appreciating movies and just the meaning behind things and always introduced context to me. Like if we watched a movie, he would tell me why it mattered and why it was important. I do that to my own kids now. So I'm like, this is why you should like this movie. And I try to prep them. And I think it actually kind of helps sometimes. He always did that for me, which I really appreciated. So yeah. So, I mean, I always called myself the typical middle child. I was just kind of like the free spirit and I was the artist and I kind of just flew under the radar in terms of responsibility. You know, I just tried to be a ah. fun you know, middle sister. Yeah. <laughs> yeah true. Some of those sibling, they say like age orders are true. So it's very true in my case, but I ended up going to the University of Kentucky and I was going to study architecture there, but mm-hmm. I did an internship in while I was heading there and I actually did not like my internship at oh, all. No. It, was really, it was actually Downtown Cincinnati, and I don't. Know, I think how things happen in your life, and they just kind of set you on a direction that I really believed I was going to be an architect. Like I loved anything art, I loved buildings, I loved things like that, and that was my life at a drafting table. But I went there and I kind of sat by myself all day, and I ate lunch alone, and it was kind of oh, one of those. No, like, I you know, can't you imagine like,
0: you eating lunch alone.
1: I know it's like one of those real world moments where you're like, "This is adulthood," you know. <laughs> it was just yeah, I don't want to adult. adult. Yeah, exactly. I was like, it sounds just like, so I think, I don't think it was architecture. It was just like the internship. I don't think the person was really wanting to, you know, wasn't available to help me mentor me. So I was kind nah. of really, you know, I just think it was meant to be in terms of setting me in a different path. So I ended up going to the University of Kentucky undeclared. And then I ended up transferring my junior year to a small college in Florida called Flagler College. And it's on the beach. And I saw it uh, on spring break. And I said, I'm going to go to school there. My two friends transfer with me. And I end up I heard they had a great graphic design program. So. I ended up becoming a part of a great group of graphic designers there. And I got my degree and I just like, that was my calling to me. So it was a nice change of pace getting out of uh, Kentucky, even though I love it there, just to see a new place, meet new people. So yeah, I just kind of lived all different places throughout the U.S. Lived in Florida for 10 years. I moved back to Kentucky for several years. And then I took a job where I traveled throughout the U.S. I lived in Philly. I lived in San Francisco. I ended up in L.A. for a year so, and this was like well into my 30s. So I really had a wonderful life traveling, being single and enjoying just like anything, like you could go anywhere at any time. And I actually wrote a travel blog on the side with my sisters because we all really oh, loved. it. that's great. Travel. Yeah. So yeah, it wasn't like I got paid anything. It was kind of right before the big social media, the reels and Instagram taking off in that sense, but just wrote a lot of informational travel blogging about what to do when you go on a trip and how to save money or a cool place to stay that you wouldn't know about. So that was always a lot of fun doing that with my sisters because I really, really like spending time with them. That's something we all three have in common. We love to travel. So I was kind of a fun life. Right into my 30s, I was living in LA and I reconnected over Facebook with an old college friend that my sister went to college with in Kentucky. And he had actually lost his wife to cancer the year before. And I actually knew both of them. I was at their wedding. My sister was in their wedding. They were like the perfect couple. They got married back in 1999. And it's been 15 years since I had seen either one of them. But I had heard that his wife, Jessica, had um, got pancreatic cancer and died within six months of diagnosis, which was, I mean, absolutely crazy. And she was only thirty-five. Oh no! Um, so it was kind of a strange. I don't know how other people feel, but sometimes I'll always have that belief that things are meant to be. That's always kind of been my thing. Like, obviously, I think there's things in life that go bad or go well, but sometimes it's just the path your life takes you on. But I just was like, I don't know if I'll ever get married, and if I do, it's going to be really. Obvious that this person is for me. You like it had to be like almost like smack you in the head sort of thing, but yeah, his name's JD. Before JD reached out to him, my sister, had mentioned his name a month earlier, and out of fifteen years of not mentioning him, and it was just strange because my sister said something about him. But the weird thing was is that he had four kids, he and his wife, had four kids, <laughs> and they were between the ages of five and ten. So. And I've no children, never been married. And so it was just kind of one of these things like, why would you suggest that to me, Julie? Like, that's my sister's day. I was like, why would you say that? And she just said, you know, he's a great guy and he will remarry one day. And I just want you to find somebody that has those qualities. And I was like, whatever you do, do not reach out to him. I think it's weird. <laughs> I was like, please don't interfere in this because I can't take this, you know? yeah. So it was really strange. A month later, I get this message from JD out of nowhere and i messaged my sister i said did you say something she's like no she's like it's a sign it's a sign so it's just kind of these chills you kind of think like that's so weird we ended up talking and falling in love which was so crazy like it was this moment where i felt like i don't know that i was supposed to be there and so it was really great is that the kids really loved me and that was a really Aww. wonderful thing to you know i don't think it would have turned out in that sense if they didn't want me and they begged me to marry their dad like they <laughs> it was one of these points where after. I met them, we really connected and things. So everybody thought it was crazy. My friends and everybody just- Poor kids.
0: That's a lot to take on.
1: Yeah. So we ended up getting married within a year after talking on Facebook. So I moved cross country. I moved to Salisbury, Maryland. And after we got married, I moved into his house and became an instant mom. I I say, you know,
0: yeah. So that was
1: in 2015. So when that all happened, so yeah, it's just been kind of one of those things where it's a journey you can't prepare yourself for until you're in it. Cause people are like, yeah. it's difficult. Like this is going to be dealing with grief and things like that, yeah. that people go through it was, and their mom was an awesome person. She homeschooled them their whole life. Like she was like that mom that like did everything for them. And she was wow. a great person. So filling some big shoes was something that I tried to be different only because that I'm not that nurturing type person. I was more just that free spirit, but I always felt like I want to have fun and want the kids to have a good life and they deserve to me and they deserve happiness. Like I think when you go through what they did, which was very traumatic and tragic, it's just trying to bring some joy back to their life and bring some more love. And it was great because my parents and my sisters all already knew JD. So it was just great to welcome them into the family. And so I came here to Salisbury, I felt like I was drowning at times, trying to understand not only being married, and then, but then also taking on four kids full time and understanding what they need and getting to know them and trying to learn to cook. <laughs> oh, I, I, yeah. I did not even cook at all like until I got married, I literally did not. Uh, And I even, when I lived in LA, I'd even have a kitchen. I just had a microwave because I would like (laughs) like popcorn or something, but yeah. So it was just one of these things where like, what have I gotten myself into? So all that to say, that was kind of the background where I got here to Salisbury. And so after a few years, it was like a couple of years I'd met Chris through friends, Chris Eccleston. And they eventually invited me to come work at DVB, And I just was excited because I felt like it was just a really strange moment as well. I just felt like I was supposed to work at DVB, Like it was another yeah. thing, that like just kind of, you know, they kind of reached out to me. And then I talked with JD about, it. I was like, I just feel like there's something here that we can really do some exciting things. So that was the start of it. And It's just been an awesome journey to be a part of construction because like I said, I never was a part of construction before. I love the idea of construction. I love the trades. I love creativity within that. But to see it firsthand has been a whole new learning experience for me. So just while I sit in the office, I'm in the office every day and I hear I have a project manager, David, who's near me. And I'm always hearing the activities happening. And I'm a part of a lot of that, but I get to hear a lot of the conversations that happen between the project managers, superintendents, just all the logistics that happen. And it's been a learning curve and an experience that I really appreciate because it really has helped me to understand how intricate this industry is.
0: That's amazing. And one of the things that came up in my interview with Chris was he really believes that you find good people and teach them to do the work versus finding the experts in each category and then fitting them in. And it sounds like that's what happened with you as well. He saw something in you. You saw something in the company. Both of you knew it wasn't your first language, right? Construction was not your native language. And it worked. The other thing that I'm really hearing from you is that your intuition leads you in the right direction. Seems like you have a pretty honed intuition, both from I understanding the need for blogs that directed people on travel, you're just a little too early to be able to monetize it, to... Knowing that JD was the one and being willing to step into something that you understood was a multifaceted relationship. Most parents get their children one by one, and you stepped into being an instant mom of four and navigating all that came with that in terms of responsibilities, but also the psychological aspect of that. I'm sure there were challenges. I'm sure it wasn't like the Brady Bunch where, oh, we have these minor incidents, but what did you learn, do you think, through that process that has really changed you as a person or really opened you up in new ways?
1: Yeah. Wow. I mean, what i've learned is I could fill a book i feel like in my mind at least yeah i mean i think the number one thing is that being understanding of other situations i think that's what's trying to come into this life and seeing my kids kind of i what i really appreciate and what always still touches me to this day is that they accepted me and and welcomed me because i hear some stories about people who don't have that when they come into a new family and different things like that and i really appreciated the amount of love I received from them as little kids. And to see them, what I appreciated was the fact that they didn't use their mom's death as like a way to excuse their behavior or do something and then blame it on something. Cause I mean, that would be, I would honestly, if I were a kid, I'd probably try to pull that off. Like, well, my mom died. So I act like this. I I could just see myself doing that. So for them to like, never do that, they really did not towards me was just, I was kind of like, it just showed a lot about their character and the way they were raised already before I was there. So, I mean, besides that though, just the heartache and pain of grief. And I hadn't experienced that thankfully in my life. And I mean, I had lost my grandmother, but these were older people that had lived a long life. So losing someone unexpectedly or tragically like that was, it's just a different, it's something you have to kind of unpack over time. And I, something I didn't really understand. And you think like, oh, I have all this love to give. I have all these you know, things to offer, but you realize it's not a fix. It doesn't fix everything. It doesn't make life easier for them. And doesn't take away pain, really. It can just help and you have to be there in the times where it's really tough. So that was something that makes me tear up a little bit, but it's just, it's hard because you feel helpless sometimes that you can't do that. So anyway, but to do that for my husband as well, trying to, being married is tough anyway. <laughs> Whoever is married out there, I was always scared of marriage because I knew it was hard, but I knew it was rewarding. Like I know there's both. And my parents have been married for 50 years and great example to me of like what selfless love looks like. And so I know I knew what that looked like, but to marry somebody who I knew was a good person was key. I knew he had that in him, but to have, to be married to a widower and he was dealing with losing a wife and raising kids on his own and trying to do all those things. I was very, you know, I I still tell him I'm very proud of him and and in amazement about how he got through it, but there's just sometimes there's just some pain that takes time. And I mean, time heals wounds, but there's always going to be a void in their life. But yeah. So, I mean, just learning how to, you know, discipline, do all these things as a parent, you're like, oh, I, and that's never was my strong suit. Like I was always the fun <laughs> aunt. My sisters have kids and I was always yeah. the, the aunt that would pop in and be silly and fun and then leave. So it's yeah. like, hey, so you
0: take care of this. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. So I think that's something that really, you know, as my personality was just really like, okay, like I've got to teach them the right. ways to do things or or just in a way that doesn't allow them to do whatever they want and not have any consequences. So stuff like that, as a parent, it's just strange to do it to four kids at the same time. And sometimes I joked around that I felt like I was kind of playing house. Like I'm kind of like in a role that I am trying to know what to do and act like I know what I'm doing, but I have no clue. So we all I mean, feel that way though, Jenny, even if we
0: get them one at a time, we still feel that way. Like where's no, the playbook? Like
1: <laughs> yes. And I think sometimes I forget that. So I sometimes like try to hear from other moms because even people who, who have done the traditional route and become a mom that way, like it's still the same feeling like that yes. you're not enough. There's too much to do. So those are things that I'm just trying to make sure that I'm not the only one And I think you realize that every mom feels like that at some point. So I think just trying to figure out what's normal, what's natural, and then what's like this weird state of this strange, like melding of families, what's common, right? So yeah, so you evolved
0: as a human, as you stepped into this role, and I want to kind of look at that for a second. What do you think has really changed in you?
1: Yeah. I mean, I definitely had a lot of growing up to do. I think for me, it was just a time to reflect on who I was. I think I always just was more of that living in the moment type person, which served yeah. well for years. But when you become a parent and you you know change that part of your life and you're more grounded in an environment that requires that, I think, I mean, my family was pretty amazed at me, which I was proud of. They were kind of like, is Jenny going to pull this off? You know, and <laughs> I mean, they said it in the most loving way, but it was kind of one of these things where, like I said, I, I learned to cook and now that's what I do all the time. And I wanted to, to create a place where the kids could bring their friends and have fun and that they would feel comfortable just having that place where you can come and stay and we're around each other. That's what I wanted to create. So yes, I mean, just trying to make sure that we're guiding them in the right way, but also being loving and all those different things, but understanding four different personalities at the same time. I feel like it's definitely, it's changed me for the better and I'm thankful. And it was, like I said, it was meant for my life and I wouldn't change it for the world. That's
0: wonderful. I love that. I also think that a lot of times, learning how to relate to different personalities serves you well in life in general, not just in business, but in life. Because the reality is, just like with friends, but especially with children, you learn that the same practices, the same words, don't always have the same effect. And so, and it goes to marketing too. So that's know, why you're, you're so right. good in marketing, right. right? Like, how do we customize this message? to affect the behavior that we want this person to have, it's not going to be exactly the same delivery or the same words that it is for this other person. Right. And so do you see that in your marketing as well? Are you intuitive about it? Or do you sometimes go, Oh, sheesh, I've learned this lesson.
1: Yeah. I mean, sometimes I get it right. Sometimes I get it wrong, I think, but I think oh, sure. for the most part I find myself, and maybe this is why I like interacting with people through art in different ways is like trying to understand the way people feel and like empathize with them. And I don't know if that's the correct word or not, but yeah. for me, it's been a blessing and a curse in my personal life because I care so much what people are thinking and how they're feeling that I almost take it to the other end where I'm like, okay, like, I can't please everybody. I can't make everybody yeah. happy. And in marketing, it's similar because I mean you're going to reach an audience, but another audience couldn't care less about, right. about what you're saying. But I think at the most part, I'd rather the side of how I feel about like trying to understand people, h- hoping, trying to empathize with them, see how where they're coming from, why it matters to them, why they care and cater to each of my children catering ways that they would learn or understand it better. Or I apply that to a movie. Like two of my kids love movies. They have the list of like top movies to watch and we have gone down the list and we do that. But then one of my younger sons, I have to really prep him for a movie. He does not like to watch movies, but I pick out the right movie and I know he'll like it. And then I tell him about it well in advance. And then I get him ready for it. It's like this process, but because he doesn't take in that information the same way. So but yeah, applying that to graphic design and, and then on into marketing is so important because I think, and I like, we always sign for purpose. And I think there's a reason why people want to hear a message. It means something, it applies to their life, right? I mean, that's how you're always seeing through things like, how does that, work? all oh, that totally speaks to me. I've, I've been there. Even just the funny things like, oh, wow, I totally get that. Like, But that's an art form in itself. And I'm still refining it now. And I can't wait till I'm a complete expert and I know everything about.
0: Let me know when you get there, because <laughs> I feel like we're always learning. But I think. The best people in any industry. And Chris and I spoke about this as well. You're lifelong learners. You understand that you will reach a level of mastery, but your education's never finished. And especially in marketing, every time we turn around, there's something new, some new tool or some new technology that we have to adapt to. And so it's better to embrace that and to welcome and to level up our skills and become this this next version of ourselves. But I want to ask you before we get into the book, Grit Leads to Greatness, what are some of the most fun or most needle moving projects that you've done during your time with Delmarva Veteran Builders?
1: Yeah. I mean, probably the most notable one would be if people are listening audio, I'm not sure, but if they can see the screen behind me is there's some ad campaigns behind me. But Chris and I set out on an endeavor around 2019 to do kind of rebrand the company and to come up with a new tagline. And we also decided to rewrite, kind of define the core values of the company. And something I've always expressed is that I don't like it when companies have values that are so generic; it's impossible to relate to. It doesn't mean anything when you say words like "we have quality craftsmanship," "we are excellent in all we do." I think sometimes it's like, well, yeah, yes. I mean, I get that, but is that memorable? You know, and I, I think that's something. I, after going through this exercise, I challenge other people: what can you look at your own company? What can you tell the world what you do in a way that? really defines who you are, but it's not using those typical words that are overused. So we went on a journey first to rewrite our core values. So that was a lot of fun. We came up with four. And so four of the core values and Chris may have said that, but operation grit, ignite, okay, be fresh and do epic things. So we came up with that because we just really believed that was the spirit of our company. And so with Chris being a veteran and working with veterans, or about half the people I work with here are veterans, and I'm really appreciative of, I wish I had been in the military. That's something I regret. I and mean, I love our country. I think that's just such a great thing to say, you served your country. And so I really wow. do respect and thank them for their service. So I really wanted to figure out a way to combine, Chris mentioned people probably in the interview, but how do it's, we uh, highlight? the people here at DVB also honor the veteran spirit that our company was founded on. So after we did the core values, I really was looking into well, part of the core values also the words we were saying. So grit was one of the words that we really honed in on. And I even sent an email, I have it posted on my wall here, just why why I said grit should be part of our company. And that was something I just was doing a lot of research. And I just felt like I was the definition of grit, I just felt like it matched not only the veteran attitude, but also match the construction mindset of how you overcome obstacles to achieve your goals. So I just felt like that's something that we really need to put in, in somewhere in our company. So I wrote the tagline Grit Leads to Greatness and that's behind us. But I kind of was just going through different taglines, but I just wanted to do more of a battle cry for not only our company, but for people to aspire to. So we're trying to inspire the world to be greater than themselves. There's purpose Beyond just the day-to-day work. There's what we do, we believe it matters to the world and we want to leave the play, the world better than we found it. So I think having something that you can believe in and then also inspire others was key to our tagline rewrite. So after we came up with the tagline, I came up with because Chris likes World War II and so do I, like just the history, <laughs> the amazing accomplishments our country did to win the war. Like, so what really stood out to me was that. During the war, not only people from the military were involved, of course, but they invited civilians in the US to band together and to combine together to win the war. So it wasn't just military out there. It's like the home front was super important. So I kind of use that analogy here at DVB because we have both military and civilian here. And but what the thing is, we believe in a greater purpose. So we come together and we achieve greatness. So we say greatness isn't a place, it's a constant journey to change the world. So it was something that was really important. So we did this ad campaign and we released it and it was really successful. We kind of blanketed our community and we have all these different signages, fence, everything we could do to put these, all these posters up in large print, you know, 12 feet by 20 feet or something. So- Oh
0: my goodness.
1: Yeah. So we submitted uh, our ad campaign for a Marcom award. And and so we won that award in late 2020, which was fun. And, And it was just kind of a really great exercise in trying to change the way people see construction. So seeing the people that work there and that they're heroic and that it's something to be proud of. And we believe that we can set um, an example of how grit is like, if you have grit in your life, it's a well-lived life. If you use that to your advantage and you look at obstacles as ways to shape yourself and grow, then you're going to find Yourself achieving the things that you want, or you're heading in the right direction. So that was probably my crowning achievement here at, at DVB that really I put my heart and soul into. And everybody kind of got behind us and it was really fun to do that. And I was thankful that I could do that at a construction company. And you about, profiled your
0: employees too. It's your yeah. employees in the campaign. It's just amazing.
1: Who I think are awesome. So, so yeah. that was cool because I, I really do love the people I work with. They're, they're great people. And that's, you said, to hire people that not only are they good at what they do, but you like them. And yeah. they're, they're good yeah. people. So yeah, so we did that. And Chris and I first, he did, he was working on a mural at the side of our building, which I love that Chris had the vision to put a mural. I love art like that, especially street art and murals. So that was one of our first projects that Chris and I actually became friends over, which was hilarious. When you come to work for a company, you don't really know where you stand, you're kind of, you you don't want to overstep your bounds. You don't want to interject all these new ideas without feeling everybody out a little bit. You're like, okay, how are you going to receive this? So, but Chris and I had this moment where he was working on this mural, but he didn't really like talk to me about it, but he just showed me what he was doing. And I really didn't think it was the right direction. And I was at night worrying about how was I going to tell Chris Uh. about it. And we joke about this now, but like, finally, I just composed this text. And I was just trying to say, Chris, I appreciate your vision. I hope you don't take this the wrong way, but I really think we need to revisit this. And I hope you're not mad at me. It was a funny thing, but like that text message of that interaction kind of connected us. He understood that I was there to make, I wanted DVB to be the best it could be, but I don't want to, I don't know everything, but let's talk about this a little bit more. Yeah, So once that happened, he and I became like we got each other after that. Yes. I felt comfortable to be free with like brainstorming. And I felt like we kind of, that really set us on a path yeah. where he let allowed me to let my creativity come through, which I really appreciate. So- we did the mural, which was fun. And if you ever come to Salisbury, come find us. You'll see the mural. It says, believe Chris's mantra to life. So he's all about the word believe. So that's on there, which I think is great. And yeah, so we just in between, we're just working on so many different projects, but this project, the one behind me lasted, you know, almost two years of the time I've been here. So a lot of work went into that.
0: Yeah, for sure. And that kind of brings us to the book, which is also called Grit Leads to Greatness. And tell us what excited you about this and how you and Chris came up with the idea to do this as a collaboration.
1: Yeah. So the funny thing is, is that Chris had told me over time that he wanted to write a children's book, and he didn't necessarily mean about construction. He even had come up with this the other book that was about this bird in town. Anyway, I didn't know about that. <laughs> was the very bird. I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. So he always had that vision to write a children's book, and I always wanted to write a book as well. well the funny thing is, I found I was back in my childhood home in Kentucky this past summer, and I pulled out a diary for when I was 10. And it said, I hope to write a book one day. And I said, I have so many ideas in my head. I just said, it was just kind of this moment where like, I saw myself as a kid. And the funny thing was 30 years later, I had written a book. It was like 30 years to the year. Wow! And so it was kind of those funny moments they are like, wow, that's so cool that I lived my dream, but took 30 years to get here. Right. <laughs> so anyway, all that to say is writing a book sounded fun. And so Chris kind of was like, let's he had this idea. This is another example, like He's like, let's write a book about a hammer. And the hammer doesn't know it's a hammer. It kind of came to me and I just didn't like the idea at all. Like it (laughs) probably would be a good book to write, not to be me. It probably was fine, but I just- Somebody run with that idea. (laughs) No, I know. know. It just didn't sometimes, if you're not behind it, it's really difficult to write it. (laughs) Absolutely. It's really, so I was like, let's maybe think about this a little bit. Like that nice little, let's push it to the back burner. So I don't know if you have your inspirational moments or when you have your brainstorming moments. Like for me, it's either really late at night or like- like if I'm drinking coffee, I always have my coffee right when I wake up and I sit there and you just kind of stare off into the distance. But I just was kind of thinking about what, you know, obviously hearing about more of my personality, I really want things to matter and mean something. And, and Chris is the same way. He really, he has that heart for wanting things to really mean something. And, and not everybody's like that in their work life, right? It's not always like that you don't try to combine that always with work, but I I love that he tries to do that as well. So I just kind of thought about the title of our book. And then I got to thinking like, but what are some things we want to tell if we wrote a book? Like what would the world want to know? Or like, what are we trying to teach or change? What could be something that besides it being a story about construction, what could that be? And so we keep hearing about this workforce crisis that's happening. I I didn't really know about this at all until I started working here that the trades are dwindling and people are not doing trades and To me, it's like, man, this is just a crisis of identity. Like, who are we? Why aren't they joining the trades? What's the problem? You know, and there's all these different factors that have some historical factors have grown into. Some just other careers, college and different things have drawn people away and and created.
0: Exactly.
1: I felt like that construction needs to step up and start to promote themselves. And we can't wait around for other people to talk well about us. We need to show the world why it matters and why people should join. So that's something that I believe in and I know Chris believes in. So oh, yeah. Well, then we're looking at the tagline. And so I thought about the word greatness. I was like, Hey, greatness, like that's kind of a cool thing. And then I was like, well, what if people, what if kids thought greatness was a place that you could find? Like, what if you're going on a, a journey To Greatness. Like, what would that look like? And so we, once I thought about that, I was like, well, what if we think about your path of life? Just like I experienced a lot of great times, but also some obstacles and those obstacles, like I would say the biggest challenge in my life so far is becoming a mom and an instant mom and coming into this life. That was probably my most notable challenge that has changed me, but it's changed me for the better. Like, how do you look at those obstacles? So another thing Chris and I had really discussed over the years was he was really into stoicism and it's just talking about how you look at challenges and then how not blaming others for what has happened, looking at things in your life and how do you use that to your advantage and to create your own path, you know? So I think, so those things kind of were in my head already. And so we're like, what if those obstacles these kids encounter on this path to greatness, what if they're actual construction traits? And so the kids think they're at an obstacle that's insurmountable or it's frustrating. And they're kind of forced to stay and learn about these traits. And they don't really realize it, that it's actually shaping them into who they're supposed to become until the end. So it's like, It's kind of like, I like metaphors, obviously. I think that's really important for me to understand or see things in a different way. So it was kind of like, there's just several metaphors within the story that kind of started to develop. And so once we kind of had the core idea of that, then Chris and I sat down. We had a big brainstorming session where we okay, what trades are these kids going to meet? Who are these people or these creatures? You know, we we're both nerds. Chris will probably have said that in the past, but Chris and I both love just like epic adventure stuff like that. It's a good fit for both of us to be able to like see where this was heading. So yeah, so that's kind of where we started in the two main characters, a girl named Tegan and a boy named Trigg. It's kind of a combination of a few things. I'm a few years older than Chris, so I'm the older, the older, the girl's older than the boy. And so in their siblings as well, even though Chris and I, he's like a brother to me, but we yeah. also have, he has a, a son and a daughter and I have a daughter and three sons. So we kind of wanted to show the sibling dynamic in, in a way that was kind of the combination of the two main characters. So beyond that, we chose the characters and then started to develop the story. And so for me, it was kind of actually sitting down to write the story. You know, you have the whole, you have the outline and everything, but actually writing the story is another journey in itself because okay, you got the idea. How do you put it on paper and how do you find the time? So, what took me, I actually tore my ACL. I was skiing in Utah. <gasps> oh and no. My knee. And I played soccer in college, never had knee problems, but the most random, non-exciting incident, I just kind of stopped suddenly and my knee popped. And anyway, all that to say, you're just like, oh my gosh, why? It was kind of more just like, okay, now I've got a lot of time on my hands. I've got to sit there with my legs straight for six weeks. And Uh, so that's when I actually put together, wrote the story. The first manuscript was that six weeks of time. So it's kind of nice to be able to have that, to get it out on paper. So well, yeah,
0: it I was worked. like divine intervention. The world wanted you to write that book, Jenny, and you oh, were yeah, off yeah. skiing.
1: Let's yeah, stop that. Skiing, which I which I don't even like. I love sports, but skiing hurts my shin so bad. Uh, I try to get out there, but and then I hurt myself. We were like, okay. My husband loves it so much. I was really trying to be a good wife and
0: yeah,
1: you know, I love the mountains, but it wasn't meant to be for me and skiing. But yeah, so that was the beginning. That was back in 2021. So that was over two years ago when that first was written, so.
0: Yeah, so the book's out in the world. The response (laughs) to it has been great. Chris and I went deep into the characters, bringing those to life, getting the costumes made, going out in the world. And then talking about the book, like what is your dream for this book? What would be best case scenario for you?
1: I mean, obviously for me, I would love for kids to feel like it was a moment in their life that caused them to think a little bit deeply about the world and about who they are and what they want to be. So that's something that in the book, I really wanted to weave into the story and you know, the whole thing about grit. With the kids in this journey, I kind of tried to be as authentic as I could in a short amount of time. It really had to cut down. My first version was way longer, but it was really hard to cut it down. And I reflect this back to my own kids. You know, I was really writing it from the point of like, okay, Kids, parents, we always try to like cushion our kids and make life easy for them. And I feel like this age, it's always sort of like, we just don't want you to get hurt. We don't want anything bad to happen, which I get. But at the same time, you know, life makes its own decisions. Like it makes its own plans. And sometimes those plans are not happy and they're not what you expect. Even as a kid, I think if kids can start to understand that life isn't a fairy tale. And I don't want kids to be like a sad message of life as a fairy tale, but how do you look at things that may be a difficult time in your life? I mean, some kids, we've gone into some schools and read, we know some of these kids have really difficult lives. I know that. I had a very special life as a kid and I appreciate that. But you see these people who deal with a lot of stuff that are beyond their control. And I want kids to understand that Obstacles can really shape you and set something that will change you and it can make you a better person if you look at it in the right way. And so, with thinking about my kids, you know, how you look at an obstacle, I, hate, I always hate books where make kids seem like they're super jolly and everything's cool. Yeah. Like, oh, there's a big, gap, a you know, big uh, ravine. I can't cross it. I hate that kind of stuff. And I'm like, you wouldn't act like that if you came across like some difficult task. So I just try to want to be like, the kids were frustrated. They want to turn back, but they remember that it's not about them, that it's about other people who are depending on them. And they have a goal that they're going, if they just keep remembering their goal and not going back to revert to the what's easy in life, to, to move right. forward That's important. So it was really honoring my kids and the way I feel about who they are as people. And I really wanted that to be known. But then, you like said, weaving in construction was important because when I was a kid, and I remember so much that really sat with me, I was very taking in a lot of things. Remember, but when I was 10, there was this big, it was 1990, there was this big push for, they call it the green wave of environmentalism. There was uh, cartoons like Captain Planet, movie Fern Gully. These were all cartoons dedicated to changing kids' minds about the environment, how to save the world. And I remember in school being told, like, if we don't do something to change the planet, like the world's going to fall apart. we got to recycle. we got to do these mm-hmm. things. I wrote, I remember coming home, I walked outside and I was looking at the trees and I wrote a song called Save Our World. And I wrote it down and my sister even wrote her a little rap to go along with it. And I believed, I felt so passionate that we had to do something. And I'm not like some like super environmental stuff, but there's just some things common, like things that you should know about that we should take care of our planet. Like we should. Right. Right? So it, but it really, it, it made me realize that I had a part to play, that it's not someone else's job to do something about it. It was my responsibility. So I realized as I was writing this book that, These things actually were subconsciously coming out in my writings. Like I wanted kids to feel how I felt about Mm -hmm. the world and about what they could do about it. So with this book about construction, I want kids to understand that construction is vital to humanity. So we set this city that's crumbling. Why was it crumbling? they are like, okay, what's the deal? We wanted it to be kids. people are distracted. Like today, obviously, we all have technology. We're distracted. There's these glowing stones that appear in the city and hypnotize everybody. So the world has fallen into neglect. And I don't want kids to know that technology is bad because I use technology. We're using it right now. It's, it's a wonderful Yeah, yeah it is
0: wonderful. It, well, it's neither good nor bad. It's how you right. use
1: it. It's a tool, right? And so with my own kids, trying to tell them, okay, these are things you can use, but that can stop you also from achieving your goals when you idolize it, when you consume it so much. So I think there's so many different parts of this that if some kid doesn't get one message, they might see the other part. Right. But with construction, I just wanted to inspire kids who may think about construction and they say, Oh, wait, this is heroic. It does matter. I can make a difference. But even if kids don't get into construction, they can still look at construction as we call noble and necessary. That's a line we yes. use. And they see it like that. Because right now, kids don't have that stigma like that adults have about construction. Exactly. That it's exist. learned. Yeah. So I don't want them to go into this thinking they have a stigma because they don't. I want them to go into this remembering wait, construction is important and it matters. And so can change a new generation's thinking into that. You know, obviously it's a lofty idea, but I think that is something we should definitely try. If, if it's not with our book, with the construction as general thinking about it in that sense, how we inspire kids, and we don't tell them, or you're going to make a lot of money, you're going to do this or that, because that doesn't get kids' attention. They want to know that they're doing something that matters and they want something that's fun and exciting. So we Adults have to. Too. Yeah, oh, they want right. to make a difference. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. So those are some things that from the book, like I really believe that we can. I wanted construction to be on the forefront. Like we are actually showing the world a good way to live. We're showing them, we're teaching something to the world. We're not just. Asking people to join, we're we're actually going into the world and being people that are proactive in our community, and we're teaching the younger generation out really great character traits to have.
0: Yeah, I love it. I love it. So, Jenny, I always end by asking people, "What does it mean for you to prosper?" So, you personally, what does that look like for you in your life?
1: Wow, so it's a, a good question. Yeah, I was. I kind of think it's like prospering, kind of similar to finding greatness. Like I said. I think prospering is, it's a constant state of finding ways to use your abilities. The things, I define greatness as using your abilities and experiences to change the world, because I think some people have natural abilities and you find what you can do well, and what can you offer from what you can naturally do, but also what have you experienced in your life that can help others? Mm -hmm. So it's like, what have you gone through? What have you done? Like, that's something with my kids, you know, I've tried to tell them like, you went through this experience of, of losing your mother, like there's other kids out there who are like you, you know, and so there's been times where our kids have reached out to kids who are newly, they lost their parent and so somehow yeah. they can kind of like, help them be there for them and it's just super important I think finding purpose is using what you've been through or at least understanding somebody else that's gone through it like, I think that brings purpose to my life personally, and hopefully people remember something that helped them in a positive way. Like I think that's something I strive to be as a person, somebody who understands people and really wants them to know that they matter. I probably don't do a hundred percent good job of that all the time, but yeah, that's something that really matters to me. And I hope I continue on that path.
0: Thank you, Jenny Schroen, for being our guest today. It was really a pleasure interviewing you and everyone can look for Grit Leads to Greatness. It has its own website, gritleadstogreatness.com and Delmarva Veteran Builders, and we'll have links in the show notes. Thank you so much and I'll see you next time. Thanks, Lorraine. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Prosper Project. If you want to grow a peerless profitable brand, please hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And if you find value in our show, please help us reach others by sharing an episode and leaving a review. In appreciation, please visit prosperforpurpose.com for more free resources to help you grow your business.